Hi, my name is Anis Wamboye from the Relationship Center and I'm glad you could join us for this series we are having on handling conflict in relationships in a healthy way. This is part three, part one was an introduction, part two last week we talked about the um, causes of conflict and we began by looking at dissimilar values and we looked at the four big questions, origin, morality, purpose, destiny and how these four questions have a huge impact on our personal lives and ultimately on how we deal with conflict in our marriages. Today we're going to look at part two which is communication breakdown and we want to ask ourselves what are the barriers to effective communication? What hampers the health of our relationship? So I'm glad you could join us, buckle up and let's go. So I'm going to begin with a story. I remember when my wife and I were dating and we, we, we often had communication breakdown. We, we couldn't understand one another. And one of the things that um, my wife kept saying, she loved using the word irritated, you know, irritated. Whenever she was, if she was late for a meeting, she said, oh, I'm so irritated. Um, and then let's say she was uh, her favorite football team. She's a Liverpool fan. Let's say Liverpool lost a match. She'd say, oh, I'm so irritated. And then perhaps she would, um, you know, maybe get a B in an exam that she expected to get an A. She'd say, oh, I'm so irritated. And then her friend was in the ICU and was about to lose their life. And she'd be like, oh, I'm so irritated. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I'm like, wait, your friend is in ICU, you're irritated. You scored a B, not an A, you're irritated. And Liverpool lost, you're irritated. Um, I mean, help me out here. These are different things. These are, these are a variety of emotions going on here. I said, no, no, no. And as you see, like when Liverpool lost, I'm irritated. When my when I got an A, when I got a B instead of an A, I was irritated. Then when my friend was in ICU, man, I was like irritated. <laughs> and I remember I was I was like, okay, Turi, that can't work anymore, right? We need to understand one another, right? So when you say irritated, I don't know if you're talking Liverpool here or ICU. I need to know where are we? Are we at Liverpool or ICU? You know, we need to. I need to really know of this communication breakdown. And I remember we constantly crashed, we clashed because at times I couldn't understand the intensity of what she was saying, and 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 so um, <laughs> that's just one expo- That's just one way in which um, um couples have you know communication breakdown in their relationships. And today we're gonna look at uh, a few barriers, uh, four barriers to be exact, of how um. Uh, communication is hampered in relationships and i pray that it will bless your marriage you'll consider you'll take time to think about it and you will work on it so the first barrier to effective effective communication is silence many times we go silent on our spouses and we assume that you know um, they will understand but silence has got several interpretations and that's the problem with silence that it can be interpreted in a variety of ways so let's take an example my wife says to me says hey honest um i pick up your socks and then i go silent how do you interpret that silent while offering this class to a few people sometime last year, I remember I got a variety of responses. And the first person says, okay, if your wife says, I'll pick up your socks and you go silent, that means you're going to do it later. And someone else said, all right, no, actually that means you don't care about what she's saying and she should pick it up. <laughs> and someone else said, no, 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 that means uh, I've had you and uh, take the weight off my back, I'm going to do it. Or someone else said, that means uh, I'm not well, there's something wrong, um, could you pick it up for me? Now, are you seeing 
there's a problem because this silence has been misinterpreted to mean a variety of things. Silence could mean so many things except what is actually meant. All right. And the problem with silence is that it leaves the other person guessing. And the problem with that is that they can come up with all sorts of conclusions. And because their partner has not spoken, they can bring this conclusion to the front and say, why did you ignore me and belittle my request? And the partner may go up and say, whoa, I did not belittle your request. I did not ignore you. And the other person will say, yeah, no, but you did. I say this to you and you're quiet. And the other person will say, oh, but this is what I meant. Now you see, what you meant can be communicated if you say it. <laughs> silence does not always help. Now, speech is silver, silence is golden. Now, silence is golden in the midst of a, of, of a heated argument. In, in the midst of the heat and you know that your mouth will put you in trouble. Then, then silence is golden. But there is a part of silence that is not golden when communication is needed. When your mouth needs to be opened and we need to hear your thoughts. Your thoughts cannot be expressed through your mind or in your mind. Why? Because your partner is not a mind reader. All right? Say it with me. Your partner is not a mind reader. All right? If you're with your spouse, turn to them and say, you are not a mind reader. All right? Because we cannot read minds and because your partner is not a member of the Jedi... <laughs> <laughs> and they cannot read their read your mind. You must speak. You must open up your mouth. Otherwise, that silence could be misinterpreted. Now, many a times, the people who are silent, when their silence has been misinterpreted, then they're ready to talk. All right? Then they're ready to defend themselves. But you see, that could be avoided if you talked in the first place. You'd rather speak and have your words processed and have your partner understand you clearly. Then, much later... If there is a conflict, process through what you said, all right? Now, remember, silence is golden when you're in the midst of a heated argument. But when the argument is not heated, when you know that communication is needed, it is important that you speak. It is important that you speak. Now, I meet people who say, you know, Anes, I don't like to speak because at times when I speak, I will say something I'll regret. Now, many a times, those people who think like that, even if given all the time in the world, would never say something they'd regret. <laughs> It's those who want to speak. Uh, it's those who want to speak immediately who often say something that they regret. All right? So we must understand that silence does not always help. We must have the wisdom to find out and ask the Lord for this wisdom. He says in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it freely without reproach. That we can ask the Lord, Lord, uh, what does my partner require, me of, require of me at this time? He requires me to speak. He requires me to speak. The problem with silence is that silence can make our partners feel rejected. And when we feel rejected, we draw away. Our hearts turn away from our partners. And that's not a good thing. Alright? That's not a good thing. And at times, some of us use silence to punish our partners. And that's not a good thing either. Alright? The golden rule, according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus says, Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If you want to punish your partner by going silent on them, ask yourself, what if the roles were reversed and you on the other receiving end, would you like that? The answer is no. The answer is no. Speak. 
open up your open up your mouth and speak because your partner is not a mind reader all right the second barrier to communication breakdown is assumption is um assuming what your partner is saying instead of inquiring what your partner is actually saying so your partner speaks they actually open up their mouth express themselves but you have a preconceived notion of what they mean and you assume what they mean instead of inquiring one healthy habit that my partner and i have learned um the three and i have learned when we are having conflict is to repeat the words that the other person has said and ask them if that's what they mean so my partner says hey honest you came late and 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 you messed up my day and i'm feeling really frustrated so i listened to her say that and what do i say i i decided to repeat the question I, the statements to her i said okay so if i if i'm hearing you correctly you're saying that my being late inconvenienced your day and that made you upset right now when you do that you extend an opportunity to your partner to correct what you understand all right you give your partner an opportunity to correct what you understand to correct your interpretation but if you jump straight to it using the first interpretation you have and chances are that interpretation has come from a place of anger and frustration chances are you will hurt your partner and you'll go around in circles and you'll go trying to explain yourself and they'll go trying to explain themselves simply because you made an assumption all right now where there's ambiguity where there's lack of clarity we must always seek clarification the temptation is that is is to make our partners look like they've got the worst kind of intentions all right and yet the lord requires us to extend grace to even cover multitude of sins to assume you know that no 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 that's not what they meant all right now i remember one particular time when my wife and i were dating and she she went for a trip to boston and i remember when she went for a trip to boston she went to see her auntie and uncle and when she came back to the hotel uh the students had not kept a bed for her so she was first forced to sleep in the boys dormitory now one of the ladies who was in that trip uh who did not like my wife you know she was my girlfriend at that time she didn't like her uh when they came back from the trip she maliciously came and told me oh you imagine your wife was sleeping with the boys I, she she left the girls hostel and went to sleep in the boys hostel i i don't know I, but i saw her with so and so so and she began to mention the name of the boys you know and she didn't come back she spent the night in so and so's room now that information has been given to me the natural carnal reaction is to think oh she's cheating on me how could she do that she was out of the country she thought no one would see her ha 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 but she was caught no i can easily make an assumption but what do i do i i decide to give the benefit of doubt and i decide to clarify so my wife came and she explained to me the trip and i just said hey you know what i listened i heard this story from so and so would you would, would would you care to explain what happened you know and she explained and she explained and i had to just go to that re- reiterate what she said oh so you're telling me that oh you are meant to come back that night and the girls were meant to keep you a place but they intentionally did not do that so you were compelled to sleep on the boy side said yes now instead of assuming the worst intentions i extend the benefit of doubt i extend the benefit of doubt and in extend the benefit of doubt i realize my wife was on the right and much later even the other guy said you know honest that's exactly what happened if you cease to assume the worst you will deal with a lot of conflict what are some of the things you've assumed concerning your partner 
you've assumed the worst. You've assumed the worst. Now, the reason we assume the worst is because perhaps our partners in the past have not proven to be faithful. And because they're not proven to be faithful, there's a fear that we have. Now, we must make it our responsibility to earn the, the, the trust of our spouse. We cannot break trust with our spouse and then just go and argue and say, oh, you're always assuming the worst. Perhaps they've got every right to assume the worst. That's why when we open our mouths to speak, we always sound like liars. Why? Because we've had a chronic history of lying. We've had a chronic history of going against our word. In order to fight this barrier to effective communication, we must untrust with our spouses. We must demonstrate that we are trustworthy. We must not demand for our partners to understand before we've earned that trust. Now, if your spouse has broken trust, you must extend forgiveness. And once you extend forgiveness, you must resolve to not use that against them. There are partners who've messed up and they've rightly asked for forgiveness and their partners have forgiven them and they've turned over a new leaf. But because their partners have still held on to their unforgiveness, they still use the past against their partners. And because their partners can do nothing about it, all their moves, all their words are assumed to be with bad intentions. Even if you are the victim, you must understand this, that your lack of forgiveness is causing you to assume the worst and the problem is not your partner, the problem could very well be you. And it takes humility to sit down and say, am I willing to go through healing? Am I willing to forgive the past? Am I willing to trust, to risk? Now listen, all of marriage is a risk. <laughs> all of marriage is a risk. The moment you put a ring on that person's finger and they're in their 20s and their 30s, maybe perhaps 40s, even older times. Many times, most people get married in their 20s and their 30s. This person is young. They're inexperienced. They don't know life. And yet you say you're going to spend the rest of your life with them? That is a big risk. You are making an assumption that this marriage will work out. You must bring that same faith that you put on the altar. You must bring it into your marriage. And you must say, hey, this is going to work. Does your communication involve negative assumption or does it involve positive assumption? Now, the final threat, the final barrier to effective communication that I'm going to deal with here today is threats and ultimatums where we use our communication to fix our partners in a very tough spot. We use threats, we use ultimatums. And I've heard several stories among the people of counsel of men and women who come and say, um, my partner said to me, uh, if you abandon me, if you break up with me, um, I'm going to commit suicide. And I've had boyfriends and girlfriends who've remained in relationships they don't remain in because their partners have threatened them. I'm going to commit suicide. Hey, if you do that, or perhaps it's just a, 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 a plain old threat. Maybe that's on the extreme. Um, if you do that, don't you dare come to this house. We've got friends of mine who got married and um, the, the mother said to the husband because she wouldn't accept this new daughter-in-law. The mother said to the husband, the, the mother said to her husband, um, I'm not accepting that daughter-in-law and if you go for that wedding, I'm going to divorce you. And the man could not attend his own son's wedding simply because he had been threatened. Now that's a threat. That's an ultimatum. It's not healthy. It's toxic. And it causes conflict. And at times perhaps the threat could even be subtle. You know, perhaps it couldn't be direct like that. Perhaps it could be like, uh, oh man, you're, 
you're breaking my heart again you know why why are you telling me that you know you're trying to solve an issue but the the, the person always sinks into self-pity and says oh you're hurting me you're doing this and 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 the self-pity is a form of threat it's an ultimatum you know if you do this i'll just be done guys this is the problem with threats and ultimatums that they draw patterns and our partners read these patterns and with time they discover that we are not really serious so if you keep saying you'll do something you'll do something your partner keeps saying or oh, if you do that I'll, I'll i'll end the relationship it's over i'll get a divorce i'll i'll i'll, I'll check out I'll, I'll i'll leave you i'll do if we keep using those threats and ultimatums they shock our partners it's not healthy because they threaten them and they separate our hearts but with time our partners begin to see that we really don't mean what we say we keep saying we leave but we stay we keep saying we'll go but we stay we keep saying we'll divorce but we don't we keep saying and what that does is that it makes our word weak threats and ultimatums and ultimatums lose make us lose the power in our communication our communication is weakened nothing we say becomes effective it's like the boy who cried wolf he kept crying wolf for so long kept crying wolf and one day when the wolf really did come he called wolf but the villagers did not come because they said, oh, he always cries wolf. And the wolf came, devoured the sheep and devoured him. And that was the end of that boy. A time may come when our relationships will really need us to communicate from our hearts. But because we don't communicate with conviction, we communicate, we use fear. We use fear. And that fear drives us to issue threats, to issue ultimatums. Because we do that, because we do that, our, our relationships become hampered. Our relationships become hindered. Alright? God's desire is that your relationships are not motivated by fear, are not motivated by pride, but are motivated by humility. Alright? So, how do we ensure that we have humility? I'm going to give you a few tips how to have this kind of humility in your own relationships as far as communication is concerned. The first one is to avoid absolutes in your communication. Now, what are absolutes? Absolutes are words like never, always. So you say things like, you never take care of me. <laughs> you always put me down. Now, the problem with the words never, always, these are absolutes, is that they label our partners. They label them. They don't give them grace. They don't let us think. They don't give us the benefit of doubt to let them know that we that we think they can change. All right? When you use absolutes, your partner will be defensive. Think about your recent arguments. Have you used absolutes? You're always late. You are never there for me. Those kinds of words will draw to our partners to fight. They'll not draw them out to resolve conflict, but to fight. Find out if you're using absolutes in your conflict, right? You need to whip them out of your system and we'll see how. Number two, ask for feedback. During conflict, it's good to ask um, your partner to let you know what they think. Ask them if, you're, if you've been doing well, especially when your relationship is going through a good season. Just tell them, hey, um, how have I been doing? How's my communication been? Are you, are you liking it? Uh, is it clear? What can I do to improve? When you solicit for feedback, you're most likely to receive it in a gentle way as opposed to waiting for the relationship to get to a very tense place 
and then to receive feedback unwillingly from an angry spouse. All right? Ask for feedback. Let your spouse know that you want to hear their opinion. They, they have something to say. They always have something to say. All right? Ask them. Let, let them speak into your life. Let them let, let, hear them out. You know, ask for feedback. Don't wait for the conflict to escalate, then receive from them. Ask for it. All right? A third way to communicate is to focus on the behavior, not the person. Let's say your partner came late. Now, instead of speaking and saying you are a latecomer, okay, that makes them, that labels them, okay, focus on the behavior. Say, hey, you came late again. Now, that gives them a chance to salvage themselves, all right? When you focus on the behavior, focus on the coming late. Don't focus on the person. Don't look at them as a latecomer or as someone who cannot keep time. Look at them as someone who has failed to keep time a number of times. That will make them understand that they can disassociate themselves from the behavior. If you focus on the behavior, then you'll realize that you even have the opportunity to come in, partner with them to deal with the problem. Say, okay, so we've got this problem of coming late. Babe, let's deal with it. You are coming together. You're not pushing them away and telling them, you deal with this issue. You are a late karma. I can do nothing about you. No, no, no. You are focusing on the behavior, not the person. Think about the conflicts you've had. Have you issued have you issued labels to your partner that make them the problem instead of making the behavior the problem? And it's true the, the problem does come from the partner, but remember you're trying to resolve conflicts. So you are picking this up surgically, surgically, all right? The next way that you can uh, respond uh, or you can communicate effectively is to have public praise and private criticism. Now, you will be surprised how often we go through this world hearing all sorts of negative things. You're a fool, you're useless, you're downcast. You're, and, and from our past, our patterns have come from our past, our real past, where their parents, their teachers, the people responsible over them have spoken such negative things. And you realize our minds often remember the negative things. We remember all the times we've been called stupid, ugly. But we hardly remember all the times we be called wonderful. We hardly remember it. What better place to hear those words than your spouse? And what better place to hear them than in public? And hear the criticisms in private? Now, many a times we talk about our spouse negatively in public to other people. We fight, they see. But we talk about the good things I've done to them in private. Here's a chance for you to redeem yourself. All right? Give yourself a project. Tell yourself from the next from today onwards, I'm going to just give myself a week and I'm going to just praise my partner publicly. I'm going to do it on social media. <laughs> I'm going to do it when our friends come over. I'm going to do it when we go over to his parents' place or her parents' place. I'm going to say something nice about them publicly for everyone to hear. See the reaction in your spouse. See the reaction in your spouse. And then when you want to criticize them, hey, do this. Pull them aside. Pull them aside and... And when you pull them aside, avoid absolutes, ask for feedback, focus on the behavior of the person. See what joy your partner will show. See what see what what feedback you'll get out of that experience. You'll realize that your partner will respond better. You'll constantly have seasons of refreshing. Communication breakdown will not be such an issue anymore. Now, what's the inspiration for all this? The inspiration for all this, beloved, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ communicated most perfectly. He was not silent. 
He did not go silent on us. He gave us his word. He let us know exactly what he requires of us. The Lord Jesus Christ did not assume the worst concerning us. Now, he could have rightly so said these people are hopeless and without help. I have no business laying my life down for them. Now, imagine if he would have done that. And he would have said, ah, there's no point. Leave them alone. But he chose to see the best. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to lay down my life for them. Now, some of them will reject me. Some of them will accept me. Yet for those who will accept me, it is worth it. It is worth it. He would have counted the cost and would have seen that, hey, oh my goodness, it's it's horrible. Perhaps that's why some people say it's called the reckless love of God, you know, that he risked it all. He risked it all. The reckless love of God. He risked it all. Yet he risked it out of love that he may communicate his love for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And finally, that he did not issue threats and ultimatums. That he decided to come and objectively deal with sin. He dealt with it. He confronted it. Right? And he spoke and he said that there is hope for us. Alright? He spoke such powerful things in our lives. He spoke it through his word. And I strongly believe that if you receive communication from the word of God, if you bask in God's word daily, you'll be able to communicate life back to your partner. I hope we can do that. And I hope we can start doing that in our marriages and have that seen so that the world may even begin to ask, what is this thing that you have, this love? And you can say, it comes from no one else, it comes from Christ. That's the end of today's session. Thank you so much for listening. We are dealing with handling conflict. That was communication breakdown. I'll see you next time as we talk about the issues that affect our marriages and how to overcome conflict. My name is Anderson Boy from the Relationship Center.